Hi, I'm Taylor, and welcome to the TD Nutrition Podcast. Welcome to episode five. Today, we are going to be talking about the anti-inflammatory diet, um, sometimes called the alkaline diet, and I'll be discussing what inflammation is, what causes chronic inflammation, how to lower inflammation in the body, and then I'll talk about some herbs for lowering inflammation. So to give a little um, kind of overview of the anti-inflammatory diet, The Western American diet, which is pretty much the standard diet of the average American, it needs to change because it typically leads to things like cancer, diseases, heart disease, high cholesterol. And it's because it's centered on eating highly processed foods, genetically modified foods, and added processed sugar in about everything. So the more inflammation that is in the body, it's harder for the body to heal. So when you're eating a standard American diet, as they call it, you're feeding inflammation. There's nothing really in it that's lowering inflammation. And the less inflammation in the body, the easier it can heal, the easier it's able to maintain your overall well-being. And when you're constantly eating a diet that creates inflammation, it ends up leading to what's called chronic inflammation, which is like ongoing inflammation, inflammation that never goes away. And like I said, that causes many illnesses, including like heart disease, cancer. It also, you know, can cause Alzheimer's. And eating an inflammatory diet can also worsen diabetes. So if you're someone who's pre-diabetic or struggling with diabetes, an anti-inflammatory diet is something that would benefit you um, because it helps to bring that inflammation down so the body can heal. The anti-inflammatory diet isn't really a diet in the sense of the fad term diet we use today because it's it's really more of a lifestyle, not a diet. Like it's a way of eating, um, but not in, in the way that different fad diets we know are out there. And it's not a fad diet because it's something that provides energy, plenty of vitamins, minerals, lots of fiber protective phytonutrients, which phytonutrients is a word that I've used in previous episodes and I'm going to be using it a lot today. And I wanted to clarify the meaning of phytonutrients. And so it means nutrients that protect the body. Phyto means protective and then you have nutrients. So phytonutrients are protective nutrients and that typically refers to protecting the body against diseases or illness. Eating more alkaline foods, which are foods that make up the anti-inflammatory diet. They protect bone density, muscle mass, they boost vitamin absorption, they improve immune function, and they may help you maintain a healthy weight. So everyone can really benefit from an anti-inflammatory diet. And I just wish there was a different name that I could give it, like maybe just healthy eating, like something like that, because that's really what it is. It's, It's just healthy eating. So now let's talk about what exactly is inflammation? Inflammation is critical to helping us heal and be healthy, so we do need it to survive. 
it tells our body to bring more nutrients and immune activity to where there's an injury or an infection. But when that inflammation becomes chronic, it's more problematic than helpful, and it starts to damage the body. Acute inflammation is natural, and it, it supports our health. Acute inflammation is used to fight infections, repair any physical damage done to the body. You can actually see acute inflammation occurring when um, you get a cut on your skin, and you'll see the area gets red, it gets warm, and maybe even a little bit swollen. That is inflammation happening in that specific, specific area to help that wound heal. But you wouldn't want inflammation on the surface of your skin all the time if there wasn't a cut there. But it is necessary when there is something happening. When inflammation inside the body persists and doesn't go away even when you're no longer sick, it starts to attack healthy cells in the body. And this can lead to the development of different illnesses and diseases, even things like autoimmune disorder. And that's when people say like, you know, your, your body's attacking itself. Um, your immune system's too strong. It's attacking your body. And it's not attacking itself. It's, it's, it's doing that for a reason. And, and your body knows why. It's just like, you know, it's something that's told to patients when they have an autoimmune disorder. And if you're told you have an autoimmune disorder, definitely look at what that the underlying cause of the disorder could be, whether it is chronic inflammation or leaky gut. Because like I said in the gut episode, that if the gut lining becomes too thin from eating bad and processed foods, then little particles of the food get into your bloodstream and your body will attack those particles because they're not digested and the blood cells think it's an intruder. And so they try to fight it off. So when being diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder, try to look and see what could the true cause of it be. So too much inflammation in the body includes things like too much mucus lining around the organs. When we get sick with something like the flu or COVID-19 or a cold, a certain level of inflammation is needed by the body so the immune system can fight off the virus or the infection. When inflammation is always present in the body, if you were to get sick, your immune system can't really do as much for you as it typically could because when it's always inflamed, it's constantly working. So it's not as strong as it could be in the event of a sickness. A normal pH for our body is 7.4. A little more specifically, it's, it's between 7.35 and 7.45. Um, and that pH comes from our blood. So that's the pH level that you would look at to see how alkaline or acidic your body is. Different parts of our bodies have different pH levels and, and that's normal. Um, but when you're looking at a state of equilibrium, you look at the blood. Uh, but just to share for fun, our stomach's pH is 1.35 to 3.5. Our stomachs tend to be more acidic because they break down the food that we eat. Our skin is 4.0, and that's to protect us from all the bacteria in the environment because that's like our first defense layer. The vagina is 4.5, and that's to protect from my microbial overgrowth like yeast. The pancreas is between 8.0 and 8.3. The intestines 
the small intestine and the large intestine are also different. The small intestine pH is 6.0 to 7.4, and the large intestine pH is 5.7 to 6.7. So not that I'm gonna be doing much with those numbers in the episode, it's just kind of fun to share, and you can look at the differences, and that's just like all within our one being, all the different areas of pH. But again, to look for a state of um, equilibrium, um, the blood pH is what's looked at. Now let's talk about all the things that cause chronic inflammation. So I'll start with processed foods, which is probably a given. Um, healing or making your body more alkaline can start by removing the foods that are bringing in toxins and pathogens. And these typically are processed foods. They add to inflammation. They create more mucus buildup in the body, which adds to inflammation. And something that is classified as a processed food, which you may think it is, you may not have known it is, is deli meats. Like probably these are the worst processed food that you can consume, even if it's organic. Because even if it's organic deli meat, it still is heavily processed and still contains a lot of preservatives and chemicals that you just don't want. It's been released in multiple studies that processed meat is carcinogenic to humans. Um, so I just, I, I'm really not a fan of deli meats at all. Um, and I wouldn't recommend them to anybody, even if you were someone in good health. They cause cancer, heart disease, they raise cholesterol levels. And this includes, again, all deli meats, turkey, salami, prosciutto, anything that you would find in a deli counter, it's all heavily processed. And when I say it's been released in studies that it's carcinogenic and it causes these things, it's not something that says it may cause cancer or it may cause this, it's actually been proven over and over again that it does cause cancer, heart disease, high cholesterol, and a number of other things, which is why I'm so strongly against eating deli meat. But I'm not against eating meat completely. I do think that meat plays a role in our diet and that we do need it. But again, I'm all about kind of balance. But if you do eat meat and you wanna keep it as part of your diet, just stay away from deli meats. That's really all I'm saying. And this kind of segues me into my next point about things that cause chronic inflammation is too much protein can cause uh, inflammation. Too much animal protein specifically. Um, so there was a study done on rats to see the effect of too much protein. And they found that too much protein caused inflammation. And if a cancer was present in the body, it accelerated, accelerated the growth of the cancer cells. So protein becomes problematic for inflammation when it's consisting of more than 10% of your daily calories. So you wanna keep your animal protein to 10% of your calories in a day. Um, I typically would recommend eating your animal protein one meal in the day, so having it maybe just for dinner or for lunch. Um, if you're having digestive problems, definitely don't consume any animal protein in the morning. Um, it's, it's really hard on your stomach to eat that so early on in the day. Your, your best bet's to eat it um, for dinner. And we do need protein. It is vital to health, but it doesn't need to be the center of every meal like we think it needs to be. 
And if you're if you're fighting cancer, animal protein is something best avoided and get your protein from fruits and vegetables. It'll be that much better on your body and give it an opportunity to fight the cancer. If you work out a lot and you think you need all this extra protein for your muscles or to put on muscle, think again because protein is really not as important. If you are really wanting to build strength and endurance, fruit is what's going to help you build muscle and build your endurance. It's gonna provide that glucose that your body needs. And fruit does contain protein, not like a super high amount like animal protein does, but it does contain it. And it will be so much more beneficial if you work out a lot than just adding more protein to your diet. And if you're someone who works out a lot and you do enjoy having a protein shake after you work out, that's totally fine. I, I would have fruit first. And, and let your body kind of digest that and then have a protein shake. And if you don't, if you can't tolerate dairy um, and you're not really sure what protein would be the best to have, pumpkin seed protein powder is probably the best one that your body will actually absorb and use. There's a lot of plant-based protein powders out there that have a lot of fillers and additives that aren't great for you. Um, I mean, I've tried almost every protein powder imaginable. When I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease, at that time, I was drinking whey protein because I didn't really have an issue with dairy, but then I had to cut dairy out because it wasn't good for someone with Lyme's disease. I had to experiment and try to find a new protein powder that worked for me. And so I literally tried everything under the sun from egg white protein powder, when then I found out that eggs aren't good if you have Lyme's disease. Then I was trying like sweet potato protein powder. I tried pea protein, brown rice protein powder. I tried cricket protein powder, which that one was probably my favorite one until I found um, pumpkin seed protein powder. And then I read about that one and that's the, the healthiest one and the body absorbs that the best and it creates the least digestive discomfort if you have digestive issues. Um, it's also a prebiotic for the stomach, so that's a bonus. Although now I don't really drink protein shakes the way I used to. Um, I have found that fruit has been much more beneficial for me personally, and maybe if you're someone that works out a lot, you can experiment with that. Try eating more fruit and less protein and see how your endurance and strength is it's probably going to be a lot better. And because cutting down protein consumption also cuts down on chronic inflammation. So the next thing that causes chronic inflammation is too many um, oils in the diet, especially cooked oils. And this goes for plant-based oils as, as well as like heavily processed oils. It's best to minimize oils overall because they're not a whole food all oils are processed even if it's like avocado oil or olive oil or coconut oil they're all processed to make them that way they just yes are healthier than say canola oil or any other oil that would be considered a trans fat and not a saturated fat so you can have too much olive oil avocado oil and coconut oil and if you're someone who is dealing with chronic inflammation, um, it's best to minimize them. And they also, having too much oils in your diet, healthy or not, lead to diabetes and they also damage your arteries. 
So if you are going to consume oils sometimes, it's best to have olive oil, coconut oil, or avocado oil, but don't cook with them. Have them like raw, essentially, because cooking them on a high heat, whether that's in an air fryer or the oven or in a skillet, it destroys the integrity of the oil. And then when you eat it, it causes inflammation in the body because it's now it's not in the same state that it was before it's been cooked. So it would be best to like cook some vegetables plain, like you can put them in your air fryer, fryer plain or in the oven plain. And then when you take them out, you can drizzle a little olive oil or avocado oil on top of them. So you still have a little bit for the taste, but then you haven't altered the state of it by cooking it at a super high heat. The oils to definitely avoid no matter what would be palm oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, cottonseed oil, mixed vegetable oils, and canola oil, as I mentioned. The next thing that causes chronic inflammation is caffeine. Even caffeine in teas like green tea or black tea. So caffeine in general, whether that's caffeine from tea or caffeine from coffee. Some caffeine is okay and it won't do much harm, but you probably don't wanna be consuming more than like a cup of day. Cause other than that, you'll start getting into the range where it is gonna add on to inflammation. So it would be best to drink caffeine-free herbal teas. And the bonus of herbal teas is they're super healing and they have a lot of like medicinal properties. So that's super awesome. And you can add a little bit of raw honey to them or maple syrup to sweeten them up a bit. And there's so many great caffeine-free teas out there that do some incredible things. So you can find some that um, you really like and start drinking those maybe, you know, instead of having two coffees a day, have an herbal tea and then a coffee. I'll talk a little bit more about herbal teas in just a second when I get to the section on how to lower inflammation in the body. So the next thing that causes chronic inflammation is sugar, which I did talk a lot about in my episode about sugar. The best sugar to consume is date sugar. And we now know after the episode on fruit that dates are good for you. So date sugar is just dehydrated and ground dates. It no longer contains the water, so they're still just as healthy. So swapping out cane sugar when you bake and for date sugar would be a great option. Pure agave syrup is also an okay sugar substitute. Um, but you want to look for raw agave because sometimes the way it's processed, it can be harmful and cause inflammation. And I mentioned maple syrup in the sugar episode, and I'm going to talk about it again really quick because there was something I forgot to mention. So 100% pure grade A maple syrup is the one you want to buy. That's going to be the healthiest, have the most health benefits, all that good stuff. But if you get grade B or lower, that's actually going to do harm because grade B or lower is preserved using formaldehyde, which is very toxic to the body. So if you're going to consume maple syrup, make sure it's 100% pure grade A. That's very important. And I didn't mention that before. Um, another thing to avoid when trying to lower your inflammation is avoid butter, fatty meats, and vegetable shortening. Heavy metals are also something you're going to want to avoid 
uh, when it comes to inflammation, which may seem a little strange. And I'm going to do a whole episode on heavy metals because there's a lot to discuss about that Um, because heavy metal toxicity can cause a lot of um, symptoms that make us feel like we're sick. But in regards to inflammation, I'll just give some quick pointers of things you want to avoid that put heavy metals into the body, basically. So you are going to want to avoid aluminum foil when you cook. Aluminum, we know, is bad, and it causes things like cancers in the brain, Alzheimer's, dementia, things like that. So when you cook with aluminum or you cover food in aluminum or you you know, put something in the oven, cover in aluminum foil, that aluminum is cooking into your food. And then your food now is contaminated with aluminum. And the more you do that, the more aluminum builds up in your body over time. And that can damage the liver. It can create a lot of uncomfortable symptoms like eczema. It feeds things like anxiety and depression. Also, regular deodorant contains aluminum, and so you would want to opt for a natural deodorant if you don't use one already. And if you eat fish regularly, even salmon, all fish contains mercury levels just because our oceans are so polluted. So it's very hard to avoid eating some level of mercury when you eat fish. Um, The type of salmon that has the lowest amount of mercury would be um, sockeye salmon, wild caught. Um, But other than that, you're still going to be consuming a fair amount of mercury. So if you eat fish all the time, you may want to contemplate cutting down because that's just going to cause inflammation. Also, fish oils contain mercury, even if they claim that they don't. So if you're someone dealing with chronic inflammation or anything related to it, you would want to avoid using a fish oil. And I would almost say that anyone taking a fish oil should stop taking their fish oil because the mercury level is going to do way more harm than the actual good of that fish oil is going to do. You're better off consuming a vegan omega-3 capsule, such as a um, algae one. And algae and seaweed, they're plants that live in the sea. So if you think about plants on land, they filter our air for us and make our air cleaner. That's why they say to have lots of house plants. It makes the air in your house clean and takes the pollutants out. And then we also eat plants because we know that they're really good and they protect us from disease. Sea plants are the same way. So that would be sea moss, seaweed, algae, all that good stuff. And they contain omega-3s just like fish does. So you could just get a vegan algae omega-3 capsule instead of taking a fish oil and it would help lower inflammation and even help protect you from the things that heavy metals can cause, which is things like cancers, Alzheimer's, dementia, all that other stuff. Plastics is another thing that cause inflammation in the body. So when plastic gets hot or warm, it leaks toxins into our food. So I think the biggest source of this is is takeout. When you get takeout, your piping hot food that just came off the stove or out of the oven goes into a plastic container. They put the lid on, it seals that heat in there, and then your food gets delivered or you pick it up or whatever. All that food has been sitting in a plastic container getting filled with all the toxins from the plastic. Um, We know BPA is harmful and a lot of plastics are now BPA free. We know BPA is probably the most harmful element that's in plastic, but all other 
things that are in plastic are still harmful. So you're just going to want to avoid plastic when it comes to hot things. Like if you're just going to put some berries in a plastic container or a Ziploc bag just to have with you to snack, that's not going to harm you because the berries aren't going to get hot and therefore the plastics aren't going to like leak into the berries. But it's when it comes to hot things, which is why I have such an issue with getting takeout because your food ends up sitting in that plastic. And then I'm like, oh, now I have to like eat this food that's now filled with plastic toxins. Uh, so something you just think about if you get takeout a lot, what kind of container it's coming in. Plastic cups when hot beverages are inside them are toxic. So make sure if you're going to have something hot that it's in glass or paper. And plastics do accumulate in the body over time the same way that heavy metals do. So you just want to be really aware um, of how much plastic that you use. And another thing that gets plastics into the body is a plastic cutting board. Um, every time you cut something on that cutting board, you are getting little shards of plastic off that board and it's sticking to your food and you're going to then eat that. And if you don't believe me, look at your plastic cutting board. There are knife ridges in it from when you've cut on it. So throw out your plastic cutting board, get a wood one. It's much better for you. Plastic not only causes inflammation in the body, but it disrupts our natural hormone production, which can be pretty problematic for women more than men, but it's still an issue. And over time, it can cause disease and cancers to develop. And lastly, the things that feed chronic inflammation are things like stress, lack of exercise, a genetic predisposition, and exposure to secondhand smoke are all contributors of chronic inflammation. So now let's shift gears to the more positive part, um, how to lower inflammation in the body. So I'll start with water. Water is often overlooked, but it's essential for supporting a healthy human being. Generally, generally, we should be consuming a gallon of water per day. That does include that the water that's in food as well, but it's a safe bet would be just to consume a gallon of water every day and then the body will kind of get rid of the excess because you're probably not measuring the amount of water that's in the food that you're eating in a day. Um, so it's better to be safe because you do want to make sure that you're hydrated. So if you're consuming a gallon a day um, just to be safe, that's great. The safest water to drink would be spring water. Never drink tap water because tap water contains chlorine, which does kill bacteria in the water, but it's toxic for us to drink it. And tap water also contains fluoride, which you may thinking like fluoride, that doesn't seem like that'd be bad, um, but it is toxic to us, especially adults. Kids typically need to consume um, a little bit of fluoride as their bones are solidifying. But in adults, fluoride actually harms our brain. Um, so another thing to note is you should buy toothpaste that contains no fluoride. Most toothpaste do contain fluoride, so you just um, maybe want to purchase one that doesn't have it because when you are brushing your teeth, you are absorbing some of that fluoride um, in your mouth and it will enter the body. The next thing that helps reduce inflammation in the body is fruits, which I talked a lot about in the episode on fruit last week. Um, so this is really no surprise. Fresh or frozen fruits are the best. Canned fruits contain cancer-causing additives and preservatives, so try to avoid those. 
And when consuming fruits, think of consuming a wide range of colors. Basically, this equals a wide range of nutrients. If you're eating a lot of different colors, the color that fruits are typically um, are the result of different vitamins they contain. Vegetables also help lower inflammation in the body. Same as fruit, fresh or frozen vegetables are best. Um, this does include beans, winter squashes, and potatoes, as well as cruciferous vegetables. Canned vegetables contain cancer-causing additives and preservatives, same as canned fruits. Vegetables are high in micronutrients and phytonutrients, the nutrients that protect the body. Vegetables cleanse the body and the digestive tract. And like I had just said with fruits, think of consuming a wide range of colors in your vegetables, which means a wide range of different nutrients. Eat grains like brown rice and quinoa. Those help lower inflammation. White rice uh, feeds inflammation, so you're gonna want brown rice. It's much healthier. Herbal teas help lower inflammation. Uh, they contain a whole range of phytonutrients and can be very healing. Herbal teas also support the immune system, which is awesome. There are so many different types of herbal teas, and here's a few. This is nowhere near all of them, um, but there is chamomile, fennel, ginger, lemongrass, raspberry leaf, sea moss, rosehip, hibiscus, lemon balm, and peppermint teas. Fiber also helps to lower inflammation. You would want to try to get a minimum of 50 grams of fiber in your diet every day. And if you're eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, then you'll be getting enough fiber. So this is a pretty easy one to accomplish if you're um, eating lots of fruits and vegetables, which are also helping to lower inflammation. Lastly, celery juice is great at lowering inflammation in the body. If you've had a conversation with me about nutrition at any point in the last like year or so, I have probably told you to drink celery juice. Um, it's kind of one of those things, what is it not good for? It's pretty much good for everything. It's extremely anti-inflammatory and it also helps those who suffer with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, migraines, vertigo, IBS, arthritis, psoriasis, eczema, acne, lupus, GERD, Lyme's disease, and diabetes. So having had Lyme's disease, that was why I started drinking celery juice, and I've definitely had an amazing benefits from it. It also helps prevent acid reflux, joint pain, hot flashes, muscle cramps, sleep issues, and it reduces blood pressure. Celery juice is also a natural diuretic, which means it flushes out toxins naturally from the body. So if you are inter interested in drinking celery juice, it's best to consume 16 ounces on an empty stomach first thing in the morning. And then once you've drank your 16 ounce glass of celery juice, you wanna wait 15 to 30 minutes before having anything else, even water. And you wanna drink it totally plain, nothing added to it. No water, no salt, no lemon, no lime, no ice, nothing. Just plain celery juice. And something to note, if you do decide you wanna start juicing celery for celery juice, it's, it's about one bundle for 16 ounces, maybe a little bit more than that, depending how big the bundle of celery is. But after 24 hours, celery, uh, so the celery juice, it oxidizes, and so it's not good anymore. It's not going to do anything for you. 
So if you're gonna juice it, um, if you have busy mornings, you can juice it the night before, maybe when you're making dinner and then you'll juice it in the morning. By then it'll only be like 12 hours old, so it'll still be um, beneficial. The sooner you drink it after you've juiced it, the better, but I understand that people's mornings can be busy and you don't really have a lot of time, so juicing it the night before is totally fine. Just after 24 hours, it's not gonna do anything for you. Which leads me to note really quick, um, the juice places that you go to and you can buy pre-bottled juices, those um, have been juiced 24 to 48 hours before you're purchasing them. So they're really not doing anything for you. So it's kind of a waste of money because they're not fresh. They've all oxidized and they have no healing qualities at all. I mean, at the very least, it's liquid. You're going to have some sort of hydration from it, but it is kind of a bummer because more than likely you're not buying that juice for hydration. You're buying it for whatever like vitamin or mineral qualities the juice has, which if it's been 24 hours or more, that juice is no longer good. So if you are going to go get a juice, your best bet is finding a juice bar or going to like the juice bar in Whole Foods and having them juice it right there for you versus buying one that's already pre-bottled because it's oxidized and has no more um, health benefits to it anymore. I know that if you live in LA, there are some juice places that are extremely popular that sell pre-bottled juices. And I don't recommend purchasing juices from there because it has been at least 24 hours since that juice was juiced. Lastly, I'm going to talk about some herbs that are really great for helping with inflammation if you need something a little more than just the foods that you're eating. And I'm just gonna name the list, um, but I am gonna do a little mini episode after this one where I talk in more detail about each herb because some of these herbs are really good for other things other than inflammation, and so I do wanna share that information but I just don't want to do it all in this episode because then it's going to be pretty long. So I'll just uh, read off the list right now and then you can listen to the next mini episode that has more detail about each of these herbs. So they all act as a foundation for healing and reversing disease and lowering inflammation. So there's ginger, turmeric, coenzyme Q10, which is commonly known as CoQ10, bladder rack, burdock root, elderberry, lavender, nettle root and nettle leaf, red clover, sage, sea moss, and yellow dock root. So this is just a list of the names if you're curious about what they do exactly and the other healing benefits they have other than just lowering inflammation listen to my next mini episode and I'm just going to go through each one and let you know the great things that they do. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was very information heavy, probably a lot more than the last few, so hopefully it wasn't too overwhelming. But I hope that now you know the sources of chronic inflammation and ways that you can help lower inflammation so that your body can heal and you can feel even better. Thank you for listening. And if you want to learn more, check out my mini episode that's next. <laughs>